Welcome to The Appetite, a podcast that asks more from life in regards to relationship with food, body, movement, and mental health. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today, Dr. Lexi Giblin, Opal co-founder and executive director, joins me to talk about the idea of self-punishment and how it's really not exactly what you think it might be. So Carter, yeah. I thought it would be interesting for us to start having a conversation around self-punishment. Ooh, I okay. Know. Um, I was at a retreat recently with Dr. Lynch and he brought this idea up. And ever since I heard him talking about it, I've just been riffing on it in my mind and thought it could be interesting to explore okay. with you. Okay. I would love that. Okay. And just for others to know, Dr. Lynch is the founder of and creator of Radically Open Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, right. which we've talked about a lot. Right. Yeah. But not in a little while. Not in a little while. We need to revisit Dr. Lynch. <laughs> so what has struck you about self-punishment? Yeah. So this idea is, you know, that we often will experience our self-criticism, our harsh self-criticism as um, noble, hmm. right? As in, I did something wrong and now I deserve to punish myself through harsh self-talk, through eating disorders, through treating yourself poorly in all kinds of ways. In that, in our culture, it feels like there's a nobility almost to it. Like I have to pay penance for what I've done. Mm. I did this wrong, this imperfect um, act. And I now, oh, I, I owe myself. I Myself is due punishment because of what I have done. And and, and at some point, I'll be done punishing myself, and I can then move on is the hope, right? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have... I can't imagine that working so well, which is maybe your point. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh, you start talking to yourself like that. Right. And being in this punishing posture. Right. How would you get out of it? Right. Well, and, and maybe there's a, there's a touch of a feeling like you're, you're being humble, you know, by, by punishing yourself. And staying in that for a little, little long, for a while or for a lifetime. So say more about that. What would that look like, actually, if you were like pseudo humble pseudo about this? Fake humble. Um, well, what I, I guess I, what I mean is that if you feel like you've done something wrong, like what's something, let's think of something we, we've done something wrong. Oh, I make my boyfriend mad sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. That's something that comes to mind around this topic. Okay. Yeah. So you make your boyfriend mad and then let's say you um, feel really bad about really it. Really bad. Really yeah. bad. And then you go on to how do you, what would, it, what would it look like for you to self-punish about your behavior? Well, typically yeah, I make him mad because I'm maybe doing something that like I'm trying to take up less space is actually when I make him the maddest. Like I'm trying to be really um, like passive, like, oh, you know, just whatever, whatever works, you know, we'll do whatever for dinner or this, you know, like kind of not having a preference. Mm -hmm. And then I secretly do and he'll get pissed off like, hey, you know, you can have a voice in this. And then I'll punish myself by like trying to be even more accommodating. Mm -hmm which is humble, but really backfires mm -hmm. because he's like, no, 
work. <laughs> does that Sounds make sense? like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense at all? Yeah, okay. it does. Yeah. Um, so what kinds of things would you be saying to yourself? Honestly, it's interesting. It's sort of a weird paradigm, which is maybe, again, part of this point about being like both punishing and trying to be humble at the same time. But I would be maybe punishing about, um, you know, I should know more about what I'm feeling and I should put myself out there more and say what I need. And, you know, now I've been this big burden. So let me not be a burden anymore. We'll just do whatever he needs, which is exactly the opposite of what the point was. Right. So you kind of implode. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So you're not. (laughs) So this is a great example, Carter, because. Very vulnerable one. What (laughs) happens, it sounds like, is when you're in that space of of self-punishing for this behavior, you're less available to your boyfriend. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I will go into a shame spiral probably. Shame spiral. Shame spiral to put it. I don't know. That feels like sort of a trendy psychological term. Shame spiral. Yeah. It works. I'll go there. (laughs) But the point, the point here is that this self-punishment that we get into, and this is a great example, right? We, we think that we're, we're paying our dues um, by harming ourselves, mm-hmm. um, but actually we're impacting those around us significantly, right? Because you're less available to your boyfriend. You're less probably available to your friends when you're in that space. You're less available to your community. Your, your, your resources are going internal, mm-hmm. internally, yeah. and you're less available. And it makes me feel like I'm taking care of everything, but really I'm isolating. Right. You're isolating. And, and so in that sense, it's selfish, right? So this is the way, this is the the thinking that we're, we're exploring here is this idea of self-punishment as selfish because it's pulling you away from, from your tribe. Um, You're less aware of those around you. You're less, your, your contributions are muted Typically, when you're in a real um, harsh self-talk space, yeah. you know you're you're less um, your your fresh mind isn't as available to those around you, so mm-hmm. your contributions will, will be more limited. Mm. the The use of the word contributions reminds me of like a work setting in some ways, mm-hmm. where if I was in like a meeting and I felt embarrassed by something that I had said, or you know was at work trying to participate and then felt like, oh my gosh, that was the stupidest thing. Why did I say that? Oh my goodness. That was just useless. Then I would kind of shut down and stop literally contributing and might look upset in the room Mm -hmm. or take a lot of the energy that I would have had to just work Mm -hmm. and put it toward how horrible I am. Right. And yeah, so you'd be less... You wouldn't be there with us right. in the same way, yeah. right? And you may be feeling um, like I have to, I have to pay retribution for what I've screwed up. So I must, um, I must punish myself um, for an unknown amount of time. And this is all me, and it's not going to be affecting others. This is something I must do. That is, is just my own suffering. I'm causing my own suffering. But of course, actually those around you are probably wanting the freshness of your mind and your ideas and access to your experience and you, right? Yeah. And I've disappeared. And you've disappeared. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just, I think I'm just at a place of like, whoa, that's selfish to think, to thinking about it from that perspective is just, that's where I'm at with it. Like just, whoa, all this time, I thought it was my way of correcting my behavior in order to be more available to my tribe, to my people, community, but actually I've just been self-absorbed and where, not as available to yeah. others. So where has that been in your life? When did you start realizing that it felt actually selfish? Well, um, about a month ago. Oh. <laughs> fresh. <laughs> it's fresh. Well, I can certainly tell when I'm not as available to people, when I'm imploding and, you know, internalizing a lot and not um, mm. not there, you know. But I guess I always thought of it as I'm going to, by doing this, having this time, this punishing time, I don't know if I, maybe punishing is a little harsh, like this time of deprecation. I'm correcting my behavior. I'm working on kind of righting my wrongs internally. And then I'm going to be a better person and more available. But then I realized, you know, I could have been available that whole time. I don't know if I needed to do that phase of self-deprecation and punishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if this is what you're saying, but I'm imagining like some sort of rupture happening in a relationship and then you like going off on your own, maybe not hanging out as much that week with whoever or right. or being less available to the conversation, but maybe even physically less available. Mm -hmm. um, and that that would almost have an air of perfectionism in it yeah. of, okay, so you're going to go be good enough at home alone, like figure it out by yourself in your own mind, on your own time, pay your dues so you can like get back out on the field and do it perfectly again. Yeah, right. Does that feel true? That feels true, right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of this per perfectionism driven. It really, it really can feel like that, right? If you make a mistake, and it may be a mild one, but then I kind of removing myself, going to the cave, and getting myself back in back in the right place, mm -hmm. and then going back into the world again mm. and rather than just staying in the messiness and being available the whole the whole way through it to the to your community and your your close loved ones yeah it's definitely back to that word isolation that there's a sense of like needing to be able to control and the only way to do that is to be alone with mm -hmm. what you've done mm -hmm. I do that with my boyfriend right that I've I'm feel bad that I've done something, so I'm going to try and fix it. But really, he's like, no, I wanted to have a mutual conversation here. Like, that was the point, that there would right. be mutuality and you're not available when you're acting like this. Right. <laughs> when you take off. Yeah. And that, yeah. So I, um, I also, I think about what this looks like in eating disorder, in the eating disorder world. And, you know, I could see how an eating disorder itself is a way of, punishing oneself for mm -hmm. imperfection or for, you know, regrets. Mm -hmm. um, and I've certainly heard clients say as much, right, that, that, you know, denying my basic needs of food is a way of punishing myself for what is unforgivable. Mm -hmm. I can remember a client saying that what I have done is unforgivable. Mm. And yeah. the eating disorder was a way of, of punishing oneself yeah. for, for a behavior something yeah. that happened. I can imagine that with restriction, it would look, it could look a lot of that, like kind of withholding. There's like a literal 
there's some metaphor there of I've done something wrong. I'm going to punish. I'm going to withhold something from myself now. Um, but I can also imagine that for someone that maybe is binge eating, that there could be kind of an opposite action that's happening where it's I'm going to make myself actually feel so bad. Sick, yeah. yeah I'm going to make right. myself sick mm-hmm. um, and really feel horrible now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that happen for myself um, as a way to punish, as a way mm-hmm. to – I don't know. My my mind is actually getting stuck on this sort of sense of um, retribution and sin. Mm. And our culture in America is so puritanical in mm. in root that that sort of penance feels like it is kind of imbued in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think so. Right? There's this. Um, there's a there. It feels like in our culture, there's a way to right your wrong, and the way to often right your wrong is by punishing yourself, or yeah, paying some sort of penance. Mm-hmm. So, what's the alternative? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Self forgiveness. Okay, is what I would say. Um, how? How? <laughs> <laughs> when you're feeling that much? Yeah. Well. Let's talk about, I mean, self-forgiveness. Forgiveness itself, I know we've talked about on another podcast. Um, but yeah, self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It takes an ego strength of a different sort to be self-forgiving, I think. I'm thinking about the times when I'm in a shame spiral. And I really have to tether myself to reality in those moments and have some strong ego to be able to say like, okay, I'm going to set my shame aside or validate myself enough right now to come back to this moment in this relationship Mm -hmm. to really show up again where I'm not imploding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that can be so difficult to even catch myself when that's happening. Right. I just think that I'm the worst in those moments. So to forgive instead, Mm -hmm. that's hard work. I feel exhausted thinking about it. Right. And it, you're right, right? Because these are moments where we're probably flooded with pretty intense emotion yeah. um, and interested in just being within ourselves and maybe not having, allowing ourselves access to others, um, not wanting others to see us in that place and therefore shutting down. So I, I'm thinking self-forgiveness would would look like going opposite to self-punishment which would mean staying available to mm-hmm. others and staying connected and offering your mind and your your yourself to your people uh, without withdrawing into the self-punishment self self-hate cave I, I'm tempted to ask for a step-by-step on that <laughs> can you share maybe a, an example of when you've maybe moved from that self-punishment into self-forgiveness? Yes. Yes. Let me think. It comes up most often for me in my parenting Mm. um, because there have been a lot of times where I've felt um, upset with the impact I've had on my daughter in various ways. And it's Certainly, it can be enticing to just enter into this this um, self loathing and entertain you know just get in bed, put the covers over your head, 
turn on Netflix and just be in sort of this self um, punishment phase. And um, with as, as with parenting and with a lot of our relationships, I just don't feel like I have the opportunity. That that's not as much of an option because I have to be available. I want to be. I shouldn't say I have to. I want to be available to her, so I don't get to take off in this. I won't allow myself to take off in the same way that I maybe would have. So I can feel that some days with her where I'm having, I'm feeling really, you know, down about an impact that I've had on her. And then instead of getting in bed, I sit with her and hold her and we go to the park and we walk Zoe and we, 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 we are together. Mm. It's like, I'm, I keep myself available to her when my urge is actually to get in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you say to yourself in those moments that would allow you to kind of refrain from the bed and stay with her? The the phrase that just came to me was like, just, just be there. Mm. Just be with her. Just Mm. let myself be in it and connected. Something like that. I like that because it really brings in that mess again. Letting yourself stay in the mess and not controlling it. Yeah. By disappearing, you're controlling something. Yeah. By trying to make it perfect, you're controlling something. But just staying yeah, sounds like enough. Right. It's just staying, going opposite and staying right there with the people you love and staying, um, continuing to give your, your mind, your cognition, your heart to your people. Mm. Yeah. And I also think that a lot of times we think that when we're doing our implosion thing, whatever version of getting in bed and putting the covers over your head, um, that we're going unnoticed, Hmm. you know, that no one will, you know, this isn't having an impact on anyone because it's just me in my bed and this is my own. I'm the only one suffering here. And you're the only one that messed up. So I'm the only one. Better hide. I better hide. And I should be, I am the one that's paying the cost by being in the suffering space mm-hmm. um, and no one's noticing, right? We might think nobody's noticing. I'm, I'm perfectly alone and no one, um, no one knows and no one cares because this is my own thing. But actually those times when you leave, you know, when you're, when you take off from your boyfriend, like you were saying, mm-hmm. I bet that has a, I'm imagining that that has a significant impact on him. Yeah. Yeah. And is it is it the feeling that you have, Carter, that you're impacting him or does it feel like it's your own or what? what's the... When I've taken off yeah. in some ways. I think that it's, it is sort of that spiral of self-deprecation, not just, oh, this won't impact him. I think I'm trying to be really thoughtful, actually, by maybe being self-deprecating or by um, disappearing or, you know, with, withdrawing myself. Like, oh, you know, I caused him some harm in this. He's really hurting now. I need to remove myself. But in reality, that's, like you're saying, kind of more selfish because I'm saying that, like, I'll just take care of myself. Oh, you don't care. I'm the burden. He's like, no. Like, actually, like, I wanted to be connected. Mm-hmm. That was the point, mm-hmm. right? So, so I, you know, I think that it's a good thing to remove myself. But it really rarely is. You're kind of punishing yourself and punishing the relationship and yeah. and something gets broken a little bit if yeah. you disappear. Right. Um you're you're punishing yourself and those around you. Right. Those that those whom you love. 
It's almost like this feeling of um, let me spare you of me. Mm-hmm. I am so, I, what I've done is, right. is awful. And let me just remove myself because I am so awful. That I am awful enough that I want to spare spare you of my being. Um, and of course, a lot of times the person doesn't want to be spared whatsoever. Right. And you're not as, you're not contributing to that relationship. You're not as present in that relationship. And the irony in all of that is that then like the other person most often has to take care of both of you. Either like, you know, if you're the one disappearing, then suddenly one person's left holding the dynamic between the two of you and the hurt maybe that's there or the desire to be close. So it kind of can start compounding on itself. Right. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Right. <laughs> no. But the, the thing that I think is so in so wild um when we talk about this stuff is that I think I think we think of it often as selfless mm. to self deprecate or self blame. That actually reminds me of something that Chris Canless, the second generation owner of Canless Restaurant, said. Um I was just listening to our episode with Mark Canlis, his son, earlier, so this is on my mind. But he said something once that um, we are, like, never as good as we think we are and we're never as bad as we think we are. Mm. And I just loved that because I think that we are often in that middle ground. And instead of actually thinking that we are amazing and everything's going perfectly and therefore we don't need to worry about this sort of thing or we're total piece of shit and, you know, we should remove ourselves from the situation. It's always kind of in the middle. (laughs) And so to bring yourself as if I have something to offer and also I need to be humble here. Like I don't know things and I do. Right. I can – you can bring more and more of yourself if you're in that posture um, because it assumes sort of mutuality and not this total power and control. Right. Yeah, that you're like assuming the gray area is mm-hmm. where you're always exactly. actually living. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I also connected to what we were saying earlier about um, feeling like you're invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, when you remove yourself from um, your person or your community, Yeah. Um, that... Actually, I think a lot of times that the the people around you are more interested in seeking you out when you're when you're um, in self punishment, invisible mode, trying to be invisible mode, so mode, so that you're not actually invisible. You're there's you you think you think you're hiding, but you can't hide, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it may be actually calling people towards you when you're. When you're hiding, you know, you, you think you're hiding, but it's actually sending, the sirens are going off. Right. Which is probably not you. the best way to be connected <laughs> yeah. or to bring people in. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Is that how you want, that, that's a dynamic, right? Where you're maybe distancing a lot and um, uh, and the being pursued, mm-hmm. the pursue, the distance or dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this idea of self-forgiveness is uh, what is maybe it's about just staying staying there. Mm. It it's it may be arrogant for us to assume that it's possible to be perfect. Yeah, and, it, is. it is, and that that's maybe what we're taking to this the self-punishment is that there's an arrogance there, right? Like you're saying, yeah. the gray area is maybe where we actually reside. Mm-hmm. And so to assume that it's possible to be perfect 
that I can be perfect and I can be and make zero mistakes, um, there's an arrogance there, right? And and so part of what we're maybe bringing to self punishment is arrogance, which is kind of a huge paradigm shift for someone right. that's maybe thinking that that's the humbler way to go. Right, right. So we're saying it's arrogant and selfish. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Which is which is different than how we typically think about it is selfless and humble. But it takes up more space. It takes up all the space sometimes in the room. Right. If if you're being that self-punishing. Yeah. Back to this idea of needing to have an ego strength, I think that I really appreciate thinking of it that way. Like when I'm feeling um, like I'm about to sink into some sort of shame, um, I honestly try to posture myself differently to sort of exercise muscles which is why I think of like ego strength, literally like, okay, I'm going to, I need to get a little bit stronger right now, feeling a lot. I feel like I could crumble and we're going to like push a little bit forward to say, I, you're okay. Like, I'm going to maybe take care of this on my, on my own later. Um, if I'm really needing to get some attention around maybe what happened here that made me do something that hurt someone else or, uh, you know, I'm imploding on myself. What does that mean about my experience of myself? Um, but for right now, let's get a little bit stronger so I can stay in the relationship that is in front of me um, and make sure that I can still take care of two of us and not just myself. Because mm-hmm. um, that would, again, be something that, that requires a different sort of, of power and humility simultaneously. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Large Media. Stay in touch with what's new on the Appetite by subscribing to the podcast on your preferred podcast app. If you have the time, we'd so appreciate it if you'd leave a review of the podcast there so that we can just get a sense of what you're loving about the show. Please join us next time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay.